In the latest episode of Jacobite Clans, I'll be sitting down and talking with Nikki Small about legacy aspects of Jacobite Rebellions. In this episode, we're talking about Jacobite songs, and this is a subject that Nikki is very familiar with, as she has a personal love of music and history, and this combines the two. Nikki. Yeah, um, Jacobite songs are a, a really favourite topic of mine, both to um, to explore them uh, and to perform them. Um, they are a lasting uh, legacy of the Jacobite era and something that continues to evolve um, as new traditional music work on the songs in much the same way as those who first collected them. So, you know, they're always developing and changing over time. So who did that then? Who collected the songs? Well, Scotland is a vast and rich tradition of songs and music which has been passed on through the oral tradition and we also have the wonderful advantage that parish education um, brought. Um, early on parishes provided schools and education throughout Scotland so instead of just relying on the oral tradition of passing on tunes and learning words by heart, um, Scots people wrote them down and then eventually publishers collected them in great volumes. Um, so all our Scots tunes um, and, and songs are published which is kind of different from how other countries have collected their own traditional music. Um, <clears throat> the names of Robert Burns and James Hogg will be familiar, they're very famous song collectors um, and they were people who were finding tunes they were matching words in some cases, uh, creating new tunes um, or setting new words to old melodies. Sometimes they wrote an actual piece, but sometimes this was a, a mixture of all kinds of things, finding an old melody, finding words um, and, and working them together. And Jacobite songs uh, were part of this tradition. And, and one famous writer and collector of these songs was a woman called Carolina um, Carolina Oliphant, Lady Nairn. So is this uh, Lady Nairn that's one of the Nairns on the family tree in the AK Bell Library? Yes. Um, she's a descendant of Margaret, Lady Nairn. Um, she was at the top of the tree. Um, uh, Margaret and her husband had a really large family and the tree um, illustrates all the marriages. Um, and Margaret was a Jacobite, so all the children that she has intermarry with other Jacobite families throughout Perthshire. And Carolina, um, who was born in 1766 after the defeat at Culloden, um, she She's born into the um, Oliphant of Gask family. Now they're another big Perthshire family, loyal Jacobites, um, and as they'd been part of the uprisings, uh, they had had their home and their lands at Gask near Dunning Forfeit. And so they actually lived in, in exile in France for some years, everything lost, a tragedy in the family, you know, everything gone. Um, they were just starting to reclaim their land and returned home when Carolina was born um, in 1766. Carolina, um, was the, her name is the female version of Charles for Bonnie Prince Charlie so uh, that's quite nice as well all right so Carolina she was born after all the rebellions so would she have identified as a Jacobite then well I don't I don't not really I don't think so um, but the family histories and the memoirs discuss these times and the impact that being a supporter of the Stuart cause had on the family was pretty tough um, losing their lands her father and her brother had been on the run at one point uh, before escaping into exile. This is life-changing, really, what, what families went through. And it seems that Carolina was taught um, at home, along with her other siblings, um, by a grandmother and her father. So no doubt she heard all these family stories and, and understood the old traditions of loyalty um, really well. Um, so she has her education at home, if you like, and she was also taught uh, music. So was this the standard at the time you would get, like, to become like an upstanding member of society that you would get taught music alongside how to read and write? Yes, you would be taught polite accomplishments. Ladies would, would have to fit into society and, and Scots were becoming aware of this, that they had to um, have accomplishments and, and, and be um, a little bit more, um, less 
less wild in the way they were brought up. You know, they had to, uh, and and it was seventeen seventy nine. It was an uncle, um, a Robertson uncle, who was still in exile in France, who suggested that the harpsichord or the guitar was a very pretty accomplishment for young ladies. Um, and Carolina apparently took up the guitar, which is really nice because um, we accompany a lot of her songs with guitar. So it's really nice to know that she played herself. Um, she had a, a younger brother, Charles. Um, and he was writing in 1784 and he gives a wee glimpse into their, their music making at home. Um, he writes, I'll just quote a wee bit here. It just says, Carolina is just now playing. My wife's lying sick. I wish she ne'er may rise again. I'll put on my tartan trues and court another wife again. It's a very good tune, he said, but it's, um, it's, quite, it's quite interesting. So the, the, the family biography at this point tells us that this song was one of... Um, one of a group of songs called the Bonnie Highland Laddie group and they had uh, quite uh, licentious connotations shall we say um, there had been a period in the old uh, free song culture sometimes quite bawdy songs um, and lots of topics which were actually unsuitable for young ladies in a more polite era so the days when the daughters of, of um, nobles and gentlefolk could um, could bound about waving gully knives and singing geldum lassies geldum um, had been common um, but these days as I say were passing for more more polite times um, and there was a kind of revival making its way among the Scottish gentry which would, would, would sort of see the high kilted muses of the buyer um, and the kitchen transform and, th and, and this would mean that Carolina Oliphant herself transformed from someone who was quite free and, and singing body songs into somebody a little bit more prim and a little bit more pious. So she probably wrote a lot of songs, not really just Jacobite songs. Then, yeah, Jacobite songs are only are only part of what she does. Um, her first effort that we know about was a song called "The Plowman, The Plumen," um, and her brother um, wrote about her working on this new version of a song and playing it at a gathering for for local folk. Crucially, she didn't tell anyone it was her composition. So Charles said the song was very popular uh, amongst people and this encouraged her to do more. She's really quite modest though and didn't let others know what she was doing and, and she wrote some really lovely songs. Uh, one of the most famous uh, is The Rowan Tree um, and this and many others were very descriptive of her home and the family home life. They're a very close family. Her mother died when she was young and she was very close to her siblings and other relatives. Uh, another very popular one was the Old Hoose, and this describes the family home and how much they cherished the memory of their time there. So now we're just going to hear a little excerpt from the Rowan Tree. Oh, Rowan Tree, oh, Rowan Tree, Thou'lt I be dear to me, Entwine thou art with money, Thy leaves were I the first o spring, thy flowers the summer's pride. There was na sick a bonny tree in all the countryside. Stay. 
sat beneath thy spreading shade the bernies round thee ran they put thy bonny berries red and necklaces this strand my mother oh I see her still she smiled our sport So now we're going to hear a little excerpt from The Old House. But the old who 
voice is the one. Adiotus, the otus, deserted though ye be, there ne'er can be a news will seem so dear to me. was a great observer of life uh, and she could be really humorous. Um, she started to follow the example of people like Robert Burns and she took to what we call purifying songs, making those body lyrics we were just referring to slightly more acceptable in polite society. Uh, there was a great song of that time uh, called And When She Can Bend She Bob It. And this song was about a, a lairdly chap who had a wife, his lady, for wifely duties like bearing him sons and keeping his fine house. But he also had a, a young collier lass um, as a companion, shall we say, for more robust activities. Mm. Um, so this is quite a body song, as I say, and when she can bend, she bob it. Um, and the song explores his relationships with women of differing status. So Carolina um, knew this song and she took this song, but she twists it round a little bit in her version. The Laird is a rather arrogant character who's looking for a wife and he decides that a local lady will do. Uh, the local lady has no money to speak of, but she has a very long pedigree, so she's um, she'll she'll do for him. And he goes off in all his finery to woo her, but the laird is astounded when the lady knows her own mind and refuses him. So it's something of a comic tale. It builds up with the laird getting all ready and, and going to ask her. Um, and it's a great song. It's really it's, it's lovely. But what's interesting is this uh, this song gets published. Um, as it is and how Lady Nairn changes it. But in a later edition, the publisher adds two extra verses to ensure that the lady um, changes her mind, repents of her decision to dismiss the Laird and accepts him after all. And um, and we never sing that version. Lady Nairn didn't write it. And um, we prefer her version of the feisty lady who knows her own mind. So now we're going to hear an excerpt from that song, Laird of Cockpen. Cockpen, he's proud and he's great. His mind is taken up with affairs of the state. He wanted a wife, his braw house to keep, but favour with wooing was fascist to seek. Down by the dyke side, a lady did dwell at his table head. He thought she'd look well. McLeish is a daughter of Clivers Holly, a penniless lass with a lang pedigree. His wig was well puddered and as good as new. His waistcoat was white, his coat it was blue. He put on a ring and a sword and cocked hat. And what could refuse the laird we all that? He took the grey mare and he raid cannily And rapped at the yet so clever holly Get tell Mistress Jean to come speedily, Ben For she's wanted to speak with the laird of Cockpen
Mistress Jean was making the elder floor wine, and what brings the laird at sick a like time? She put off her apron and on her silk goon, her much we red ribbons and gayed a wardoon. When she came ben, he bowed full low, and what was his errand he soon let her know. Amazed was the laird when the lady said no, and we a late curtsy she turned a walk. Dumfoonard was he, nay sided he gee, he mounted his mare and he rode cannily. He thought as he gaed through the glen Oh, she's daft to refuse the laird o' Cockpen So did Lady Nairn publish her own songs? Yes, and, and this is where some of the mystery comes in, really. It wasn't quite proper for ladies of her standing to be involved with publishing and so on, and she and she carried out her publication work anonymously. Uh, apparently, she even went to the publishers in disguise. Um, she was living in Edinburgh by this time with her husband. Um, just to explain, Carolina was engaged for a very long time. She was intended to marry her cousin, John Lord Nairn. That's how the Oliphant and Nairn families uh, connect but could not do so until he had managed to reclaim his family title and lands after being a Jacobite as well. Um, and he had to find himself a, a work, a position, if you like, for a, for a noble man. So they were engaged to be wed for a long time and, and they only get married in 1806. Um, at that point, Lord Nairn is 49 and Carolina is 40. Um, so at this time, after so many years in Perthshire, they moved to Edinburgh um, for his work. And sh- and then that's when she starts moving in these more literary circles. Um, she met Walter Scott, I believe, um, and she hosted uh, all kinds of society parties and musical evenings. Um, it's in Edinburgh that she worked in, in some forms of music publications, which were massively popular at that time. Um, they had committees behind them and people who set them up and worked on what would be in these big volumes. Um, but she did so quite covertly, um, giving advice, but never being named herself. Um, Carolina and Lord Nairn only have uh, one child, a boy, and she also is very devoted to him um, as well as her, her music. And and I think this part of her life when she's engaged for a long time is really interesting because it means that she's not a married woman bringing up a large family and managing her own home. She's actually living as, as a young girl for a long time, if you like, at Gask, uh, waiting to be married. Um, so she had the time and energy to devote to music um, and other accomplishments. Um, she also wrote a great deal uh, of poems that were not set to music. Um, she was something of an artist too. And, and like I said, Walter Scott um, was, was an influence and like him she trawled through histories and stories to see if she could um, find something that would lend itself to being a song or a poem. So did she write about any interesting characters from history? Well this this is great because she actually um, she wrote about uh, the famous um, Lady Grange um, and this is a Jacobite story too which makes it all the more fascinating. Um, Rachel Lady Grange was the was the daughter of a murderer. Um, Rachel Cheesley was born in the 1680s, I think it was, um, and her father committed a murder in society when she was quite young, which ought to have ruined her chances 
um, of, of gaining any position herself. Uh, but she was actually a great beauty. So Lady Grange, Rachel Cheesley, as, she, as she's first known, um, caught the attention of uh, James Erskine, Lord Grange. Um, he was a law lord and brother to the Earl of Mar, who would later become a very famous Jacobite. Um, Rachel and Lord Grange's marriage was very tempestuous, um, but during that time um, they were not known to be Jacobites. Um, Lady Grange wasn't a very happy character. Um, after years of marriage, um, things break down. Um, her husband didn't treat her very well, and things came to a head when she threatened to reveal to everyone that her husband and his brother, uh, the Earl of Mar, were actually Jacobites, and this was really dangerous territory. Um, but Rachel Cheesley was a kind of free spirit. She just threw caution to the wind. She said, no, I'll name you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody what you're about. Um, Lord Grange decided this was too much. So um, this is this is the bizarre bit. This is <laughs> this is really um, in the dead of night. He had her, he had his wife abducted and she's carted off across the country um, uh, to the islands. Um, she was taken away by people who spoke Gaelic. They didn't speak English to her. She wasn't spoken to for days. The journey was stopped in various places. Um, and she eventually finds herself taken to the very remote island of St Kilda. Um, and she's basically imprisoned there. Wow. Grange told everyone she had died. He, ha he had a funeral for her in Edinburgh. And poor Lady Grange was abandoned on St Kilda for 13 years. Um, she never returned home. Um, and she eventually did get off the island, but she died um, died in Skye. That's like such an amazing and quite random story. It's quite, yeah. Uh, so the Carol Carolina, sorry, uh, made this into a Jacobite song. Is she that did. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, she found the story because the story is there. I mean, it's in it's in all sorts of places. You can you can find it. Um, but she found the story and. Uh, and, and, and made it into kind of like a poem actually um, and we and we found a recording of it but it was very um, it was a bit of a dirge and it was slow and there was cellos in the background and it wasn't very exciting um, so in true Scots tradition uh, we gave it another kind of jauntier tune just livened it up because um, Rachel Cheesley is quite an amazing character and if you read more about her life story um, there's a very good book about it actually The Prisoner of St Kilda um, and uh, we think she kind of deserves a movie quite frankly yeah, <laughs> it's a great definitely. story it sounds, it's, it's so exciting story. you can't believe that somebody would think that was the way to resolve the issues here is to have her carted off and pretend she's dead so um, yeah it's, it's a great song and a great, and a great um, tune as well okay so we'll just listen to that story just now and then we'll come back and finish about chatting Jack about Jacobite songs next time so uh, once again thanks for listening to the podcast Jacobite Clans uh, Jacobite Clans is an exhibition that's on at Perth Museum and Art Gallery Perth Museum and Art Gallery is open six days a week Tuesday to Sunday 10am till 5pm and the exhibition is on till the 26th of October you can find out all the information about the exhibition on www.culturepk.org.uk and if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you very much. So, Nikki, just to finish off here, we will hear the strange tale of Lady Grange. Oh, Lang, the Lady Grange did live upon St. Kilda's Rock. But surely sorrow when a kill or else her heart had broke. Far, far removed from kith and kin, and all that life endears. She hath looked o'er the watery waste, where ne'er a ship appears. Ho, row, the wind did blow upon the Lady Grange. Oh, is 
Was it for my father's crime that I'm thus banished far? Or was it on a fault of mine that kindled civil war? MacLeod and Lovett, will I trow, he wrought this treachery? But wherefore has their cruel spite gone on helpless me? Ho, oh, the wind did blow upon the lady rain. And thus she mourned, fair Lady Grange, thus sped her life away. The morning sun it brought nay joy, and night did close the day. And naught was heard but seabirds' cries to cheer her solitude, or the wild raging billows roar that broke o'er rocks they rude. Hoar the wind did blow upon the Lady Grange. At length a favouring wind did bring an old and worthy pair, while with the kindest charity her sorrows all did share. They taught her prideful heart to bend beneath the chastening rod, and then she kent her prison walls had been a blessed abode. Oh, oh, the wind did blow upon the lake.